Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. Joining you guys today with old friend Greg Talbot, recurring guest of the show, I guess now. Greg, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How's it going? Uh, it's going okay. It's going. I'm still trying to digest what happened down in New Orleans with, with Georgia Southern basketball, but uh, definitely yeah, glad to have you back story. on because you've been, you've been following them as closely as anyone since you've been calling about 95% of their games. So I'll give you the floor first, Greg. Explain to me what happened on Saturday against Texas Arlington with Georgia Southern basketball. Okay. So there are a couple things at play, obviously. Um, Number one, I remember being on the couch at like one in the morning the night before we left for New Orleans in seeing that ULM had, had crushed Coastal Carolina by like 30 points. And I couldn't believe that. And I think what happened that following night in the quarterfinals where Southern kicked ULM's teeth in is that ULM was wiped out after having played so hard and won so hot against Coastal Carolina. And, and Southern was just the better team. The next night against Arlington, I think a couple things were at play. One... Southern looks so darn good against ULM that I think, well, not I think, I know. I know my brain jumped right over ULM straight to Georgia State. I kind of assumed they were going to beat Texas Arlington just based on how darn well they played against ULM. I know that didn't happen to them, but I think it had something to do with probably something in the back of their minds. Uh, Number two, although he looked healthy, Tukey did roll his ankle in that game against ULM, and he didn't act like the shot taker and the shot maker that we have seen him be at, at, at various times. Chuki time didn't really come in very hot in that Arlington game like it sometimes does. I was on the floor. I didn't see him going out there scoring 10 points in five minutes and trying to take over. Actually, it was David Lee Jones who was the one who heat-checked along with Quan Jackson to get them back in that game. Uh, from a numbers standpoint, I think Southern probably looked like they were in it for a lot of the game, but being there on the baseline shooting highlights, I was texting Connor Del Preet, who was in the stands doing a story. I was texting different people around the program saying Southern looks dead in the water in this game because they came out slow. They were not ready for the physicality of UT Arlington. I think they assumed that the Sunbelt tournament was going to be refereed like the regular season Sunbelt Conference, that did not happen. It was an incredibly physical game. I mean, I think I texted you, Travis. It looked like they were, play- they were playing a Big Ten or an A-10 team where they were. it was just a street fight out there, and Southern just mm-hmm. didn't look prepared and ready for that kind of game in a conference tournament that did not reflect how the league is usually officiated. And then... They got back in the game, which was great. They made that run with, I think, what it was, five, six, seven, eight minutes left. But there was one sequence that really, to me, was the problem that that lost them the game. So so they were winning with, I think, two minutes left. David Lee Jones had made two shots in a row, two threes, and all of a sudden they're up one point. David Lee, I think, comes back down the floor and heat checks, clanks the shot. Then Arlington goes back down, takes the lead off the missed Southern three-pointer, and does not surrender the lead. Part of me a couple days later is still wondering if they hadn't tried that heat check deep three that would have put them up four points. If they had just gone down and tried to put up a layup and took a lead by three and not had it go for points on the other end, I genuinely think Southern might have won that game. But I think that heat check missed three was really the wrong shot to take with two minutes left. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think the last four minutes, and, and Greg, really the last, you could look at the last five minutes, Georgia Southern got a Tukey Brown meaningless layup with, I think, 16 seconds to go. Prior to that, they didn't score, or they their last basket was at the 5.07 mark, that second David Lee Jones three-pointer and the just right off the rip. I, I feel like that, that, that heat check three, then, then they went ice cold and Arlington won on like a 10-0 run. They did. And for the next, and you know, I hate to be a dead horse for the next five minutes, 
of game action in, in the biggest game, arguably, of Tukey Brown's career. I don't think it had anything to do with him, you know, his fault. But there were four and a half minutes of crucial minutes where he wasn't getting touches. And instead, it was two David Lee Jones misses. One, as you said, was not close. Uh, a David Lee Jones turnover, a Quan Jackson turnover, and a Quan Jackson clank three. You know, on the other side, you didn't see that from UTA. You weren't seeing heat checks at any point in time. And for me, when you're up, you know, 58-57 with 5.07 to go, and you're Georgia Southern, and, you know, you've been waiting for this moment for so long. Just go tricky isolation. Just yeah, and it, it, it just run, got away from him, right? Drive. Let him drive. Just let him drive. You know, and I know that sometimes I guess it might sound like we're, be, you know, people that talk like this are being harsh on Tukey Brown, and that's not the case because, oh, again, uh, he, I'm not blaming Tukey. I, whoever's calling the play, I think, made the wrong decision. Like, I, I know Tukey's been more of a distributor this year, and I dig that. He's become a more well-rounded player. But, like, whoever's making the call to be having David Lee keep check, like, you, you would hope that after a whole season, again, in, in Arlington is – the thing that I saw about Georgia State this weekend, and this is not to diminish the rest of the Sun Belt, Georgia State is like a standard deviation better than every other team in the Sun Belt Conference this year. So it's not even like it was – I know Arlington's got one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the Sun Belt, but, like, please find a way to get Tukey open in the final five minutes. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, find a way to live and die by using your star player in the in the biggest of moments. Greg, let's touch on some other numbers quickly, but – I did want to get you guys a chance to listen to what Byington said after the game, at least a clip of it. I thought really the entire press conference, and Greg, you were there. I'll let you talk about that in a second. The entire press conference after the game was just really revealing for me, at least. I mean, it was it looked like utter devastation, and that's exactly what it sounded like. That might sound obvious, but I don't know. It just didn't seem like there was any kind of satisfaction in, in – accomplishing anything really and we said that before the game that that it was kind of you know whether fair or not it was kind of you you need to win a conference championship or it's going to feel like a disappointing four years not just a disappointing season listen to what Byington had to say about how this game was called and how it varied from other games to me this was very unbyington like uh, after losing a game to to slide this one in there listen to what he had to say and uh, offensively, you know, we've been one of the best offensive teams in the country all year. And uh, it was hard for our guys to adjust. The game was refereed differently tonight than our other 32 games. So um, we, it took us a while to adjust. And we, we finally did in the second half of, of what we have to do to overcome it. All right, so there you get Byington saying that, that, quote, the game was refed differently than the previous 32 games and the, and the Georgia he's all, Southern. He, he's also not wrong. That, Look, that, he's not wrong, but is, Greg, that's yeah. like saying uh, a conference tournament game is more important than the other 32 games. Y- yep. You should know that going into it, right? I mean, and, and honestly, I, get, I, you know, I saw what he's talking about. It, physicals, things were allowed uh, for the most part. But on the season, Georgia Southern averaged 17.9 fouls committed a game. Okay, they committed 16. On Saturday, that's two fouls, essentially. Their opponents average 19 fouls a game against the Eagles. UTA, 14 fouls on Saturday. I don't know that, for me, if I'm Byington, and he said that they didn't shoot well, I don't know that I would even mention the refs when you have numbers like uh, field goal percentage, the lowest in a year and a half at 36%. It was the fewest made field goals all season for Georgia Southern. They didn't make a three-pointer in the first half. Uh, They had 36 points in the paint after having 40-something and 50-something the previous two games. Um, You know, Tukey obviously didn't play. There's so many other things to point to instead of, hey, uh, a critical game, there were fouls allowed to be – or there were physical play was allowed. You know, that to me is not really what you want to be saying after that loss. Greg, I mean, how much did you think it really impacted the game the way the game was called? 
Okay, so my, and I think you and I have talked about this, whether or not it's been on the podcast before, man. My feeling, coming from a basketball heritage school like Gonzaga, is I, I know I come at basketball, college basketball, from a different perspective from the vast majority of the population. But my feeling has always been, and especially since I came out of college watching Gonzaga basketball, is you can't blame the refs. If, if, if the game relied on the referees, you didn't play well enough. You can't leave it in the referee's hands. However, it wasn't the amount of fouls that was jarring to watch in person. It was how much Texas State got away with and how many kind of bullshit charges end up being called as blocks against Georgia, against Georgia Southern or vice versa. The Arlington fans were not standing up going crazy about things that were called a charge instead of a block it happened pretty routinely in the second half for georgia southern fans and for the first time in a long time i was actually like oh yeah these referees are are kind of effing up and i don't like what's happening and i feel kind of sick for georgia southern in the moment i usually don't feel that way but yeah I, i i i felt like yeah, it's bullshit to, to, to blame the referees on you losing an important game because you should have been better than leaving it in the hands of the referees. But also, like, in person, if I was a fan instead of a media member and I was there for Georgia Southern, I would have been right up there in the in the stands going nuts with these people because it wasn't the amount of fouls. It was the missed calls or the calls that were just flat out wrong. There were times I looked up at the stands at Connor and I was like, WTF. And, and neither of us could believe it coming from even an impartial standpoint. Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't – and, again, Byington, I don't think he was trying to, to blame the refs. I take that back. What he said was not blaming the refs. I, I don't know no, that not he at wasn't. All. Not at all. I don't know that that's not what he actually did think. But what he said was not blaming the refs. But I guess my point is that hasn't been the MO of, of Byington or the club all year. There were plenty of other games this year, Greg that Georgia Southern had gripes, legitimate gripes, where the referees impacted the game. For me, yeah, the, sure. the, free, the, the, the points at the free throw lines, UTA was plus one. Okay, they shot two more free throws in Georgia Southern. I just don't know. Georgia Southern wasn't really in major foul trouble. David Lee Jones had four, but that was late. Um, I, you know, I'll leave that where it is, Greg, unless you have something else about, about the way the game was called. I wanted to touch on – what Georgia Southern did Saturday and what they didn't do Saturday that they had done all year long without fail. And besides the scoring, you know, that to me, sometimes you just make it or miss it. It wasn't that they were missing three pointers. That's not surprising for this team to me was you went away from what you were. And that was evident in the role players that played a huge role down the stretch, along with Tukey Brown, guys like Simeon Carter, guys like Calvin Wishart, guys like Elijah McCadden were not only non-factors, they weren't really given any opportunity to, to make impacts. Uh, Wishart in the get win against US or ULM was 0 for 3 from the field. Uh, and in the loss to UTA, he did not attempt a shot. Same for Elijah McCadden. Simeon Carter is the great mystery for me in this game, Greg, and I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about this. Simeon Carter had eight points, eight boards, two blocks, and a steal in 14 minutes of game action. He came out at the nine-minute mark of the second half and never got back back in the game. Didn't go back in. I'll never understand it. I don't understand that logic. And, And if the logic is Monte Glenn's the guy that got you there, Isaiah Crawley was the one that got you there, I'm good with that. But if that's the logic, did David Lee Jones get you there? No, I don't think he did. You know, Tukey Brown got you there. So if you're going to ride the hot hand with – Yeah, the only thing I could figure out with David Lee playing such a hot thing down the stretch was that they had Tukey clearly so locked down between man coverage and him not being able to get around screens and stuff that David was the only guard who was getting open because Calvin Wisher was so great in the second half of the season, but he was not getting any looks against Mm -hmm. UCA. And I'm 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 fine with David Lee playing alongside Tukey in those crucial minutes, and and all the way down till the end of the game, I'm good with that. I'm good with him taking shots. But if the reasoning was that he was the hot hand, 
you missed another hot hand. And, and it was pretty clear. Eight points, eight rebounds, two blocks and a seal in 14 minutes. That'll do just fine. Um, you know, that's, that's more points, the same amount of rebounds, and more blocks than Monte Glenn. And, double, and Monte Glenn had double the amount of minutes. Okay, so I don't know why you didn't go back to him for the, la- for the final nine minutes of the game, uh, Simeon Carter, for me. That, that's one thing for me, Greg. Um, another thing was Georgia Southern was so content with playing the way UTA wanted them to play. And the two styles are not altogether that different. But did Georgia Southern look like at any point in time, even when they were winning, that they were dictating anything? Were they dictating the pace? Were they dictating just, the I, I, It was just that three-and-a-half, four-minute stretch between whatever it was, nine minutes and five minutes, where they went back from down 11 to back down three or four, that four-minute stretch was the only time that I recognized this team in that game. Greg, that, I guess that's the larger issue coming out of this game. You know, I, the, over, the overarching feeling for the season has to be that, that this was a quality basketball team, and they, and they did the university proud, and finishing top the Sun Belt, at, you know, again, in the, in the upper half, that those are all good things. I know that if we're feeling this way, that, that there are Georgia Southern fans out there feeling that an opportunity was missed, and for it to be missed, when you just you, you don't do anything that you you had previously been doing, that is so hard to accept, and you just find yourself searching for answers. And there's again plenty of places to point to, Greg, but. Let's let's you know unless you have anything else X's and O's from the game that you want to touch on, Greg. I was gonna kind of talk about after the game, the feelings after the game, and you know basically the neglect for any kind of postseason nod or postseason hopes. Do you have anything else from the actual game? Uh, let's see here. What was what was bugging me on the way back from New Orleans yesterday? Um, I would say that I was wondering how much Ike Smith being back would have helped this team the last couple of weeks. Boy, but he would have been nice about, on Saturday. Yeah, Ike would have been nice on Saturday to the tune of three or four baskets, which would have pushed him over the top. Now, we can skip to the end of the game because that's what I want to talk about, which is the the uh, the emotional poor Mark Byington, man. That, he is the best dude, and he cares about his players and his team so much. And I just couldn't – I mean, I, I, I knew that walking into that press conference, if I asked the right questions, he was going to be – open and honest about his emotions and how he was feeling. And he was, which mm-hmm. was really nice for the fans to hear, I think. But like, I walked out of that press conference going, Oh Jesus, do I feel for these guys? Yeah. And that's, that's the takeaway I got too, Greg. And you could see it on Byington's face. I mean, you could see it. You could feel it really from Savannah in new Orleans. I mean, he, Byington was not only under, understandably devastated. He looked shell shocked. I mean, he looked like, he had just finished a game that never in his wildest dreams did he think it would go down like that. I, I remember listening. I, I, I genuinely think they kicked ULM's ass so badly that they were just like, all right, here come, let's go for the Panthers. And like, they just, I don't, not that they looked past UTA, but I think they were so effing hot coming off that game against ULM that they didn't think Arlington would beat them. I mean, I didn't think Arlington would beat them. None of the metrics would have suggested. I, I, I'll admit it. You can ask Connor. We were in the hotel room like that night after ULM before we went out to Bourbon Street, and I was like, "Dude, they're gonna flush UTA and go straight to Georgia State." Like, I none of us thought Arlington was gonna win that game. None of us. And and, and honestly, Arlington wins the game, sixty-seven to fifty-eight. Really, if you watch the game, you know it was closer than that. There were some meaningless free throws down the stretch, but really, it, it was probably a two-possession game uh, in earnest at the end, but. That's with Georgia Southern having legitimately a historically bad showing, and they still really only lost by two possessions. Tukey Brown. That was that was that was, that was the worst first half they played all year, right? Twenty. I mean, they were the second most efficient offense in the country this year, behind my Gonzaga Bulldogs. They were a fifty percent shooting team, and they shot like twenty six percent in the first half. They were literally twice. They were half the team they were all year in that first half. They, they lost the game because of that first half. Yeah, quickly, a first half numbers. And 
you know, you might want to sit down for this, Georgia Southern fans. The highest outscoring output from any individual Georgia Southern player, four points from one Isaiah Crawley and Simeon Carter. Uh, totals for the half for Georgia Southern, 22 points, eight made field goals. That's eight of 30 shooting. Zero of nine from three-point land, Greg, and perhaps the most – It's kind of miraculous they got back in the game considering that. It really is. It really is. And it could have – the whole time, it could have gotten away from them. And I guess that's a testament to, to – what, what do we want to call it, Greg? Grit or determination? Um, or it's a testament to UTA never really was that good. And maybe they really are a 17 and 16 basketball team. And, and, you know, and maybe all the metrics were right. And maybe, just maybe, Georgia Southern did not show up, period, in the first half. And I guess UTA was good enough to withstand an average second half from Georgia Southern. I mean, they played well in the second half for stretches, but not world beaters. I, I think, Greg, for me, the first half, the thing that stuck out was that similar to the Georgia State game in Statesboro, you could not find – a Georgia Southern quality offensive possession backed up by a Georgia Southern quality defensive possession. And I know that sounds simplistic, but you know, fans or people were talking after the Georgia state game. Why weren't, why wasn't the student section standing up? Well, because when you stand up after you make a three pointer and 12 seconds later, your lead is already gone because you didn't get a stop and it happens four or five times. You get kind of fed up. Well, the same is true for the players. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to come down, allow a basket, go down, clank a basket, and then come down and really want to defend for thirty seconds. And well, no, and and, and the truth of the matter is, I mean, I, I know we a lot of basketball fans really think so much of college basketball, and this is partially true, is about you know ethereal things that can't be explained, and it's momentum and it's crowd, yada yada yada. <laughs> I think that can be partially true in a lot of mid-major games, but really so much of it comes just down to math. And when Georgia Southern is one of the most efficient offensive teams in the country, you shoot 50%. If you put up a good amount of shots and a couple of those are threes and your defense is even just okay, you're going to win most of your games just mathematically. But the problem is when your defense isn't any better than normal and your offense is shooting at a half worse clip than they have been all year there's no way you're going to win like there, there are some teams that put up a bunch of threes and if they hit the threes they win if they don't hit the threes they lose for southern it's kind of been that easy all year which is that if they shoot 40 percent or worse their defense is not good enough to make up for the downhill offense i completely agree and we knew that the whole year we knew that if their defense could just be average that they'd be great but i guess that's that's what has me troubled, Greg. Why? I mean, what is the biggest reason for Georgia Southern not showing up in, in multiple games this year? They, you know, they weren't ready to play Saturday in Statesboro against Georgia State. I think they played well enough, and they have plenty of talent. That's why they kept it close. But they weren't ready to play that game, and and it showed. Byington again adjusted throughout the game and scrapped and made it close. But to not be ready for UTA, who frankly doesn't offer, you know, a lot of, you know, sophisticated offense. I'm trying to put it nicely, Greg. Well, Georgia Southern, well, when they line well, up well, against – Let me help you, Travis. I think what you're trying to say is UTA can't freaking shoot. Yeah, I mean, they don't – they're not a very good basketball team, and that's what they makes They can't it... shoot. They can't shoot. It's all – it's like you're playing Cincinnati but a worse version. Or Florida State, it's just a mean, aggressive, street-fighting defense. And, and, if, and, they, and they can't shoot for crap. And, yeah, just to back up those numbers, uh, final regular season stats from the Sun Belt, the 12-team basketball league, Georgia Southern scoring offense, number one. We know they were highly ranked in the country, 84 points a game. UTA, <laughs> dead last in scoring offense, actually the worst scoring offense in the Sun Belt in the last three seasons at 69 points a game. That's nice. Well, can I tell you why this is going to be doubly hurtful and embarrassing for me in the next couple of weeks? It, of, and I of know course. it's not exactly the, 
I know it's not the same for Georgia Southern and Gonzaga, but the, the way that people are going to beat my Gonzaga Bulldogs these first couple of rounds here, if they're going to beat them, is by basically just doing what UTA did to Georgia Southern, which is slow them down, keep them in the half court, make the guards, you know, put up deep shots and just be physical against them. Like, if you're a team that, that relies almost exclusively on mostly two-point offense and driving to the rim and pushing tempo and, and shooting efficiently, there's a way to beat them. You just got to figure out how to do it. And I feel like, unfortunately, sometimes in March, you know, p- people have figured out how to beat efficient offensive teams by now. Yeah, and I mean, well, I mean, how do you beat efficient offensive teams then, Greg? Well, it depends on the depends on the players. I mean, with Tukey Brown, I mean, just look at the numbers, like, just Georgia State. I know Georgia State's the best lineup in the league, but the games Georgia Southern lost this year, Tukey Brown didn't score 20 points. If you can keep Tukey to 10 and make sure that a second guy doesn't go for 15, just the math usually adds up in, in the opponent's favor. If you can limit Tukey off screens, keep a guard off him, send your guy through the screens to keep your main guy on Tukey so he doesn't match up against the power forward for a different team, and you occasionally double him, you can usually limit him, and it gives your team a pretty easy chance. That was the problem when Ike Smith went down, was it turned the Georgia Southern offense really just into a two-headed main monster. It turned it from three guys just into two, Tukey Brown, Quan Jackson, and if Quan didn't go for 15 points, you could probably beat Southern. Yeah, and, and again, I guess some of the blame does need to be thrown on Quan Jackson, as Quan does pretty much every time he takes the floor, he got his shots up. And again, I'm always good with that. I'm never going to, you know, criticize one of the team's best players or any team taking a lot of shots. That's kind of the idea and the goal. But, you know, Quan kind of faded down the stretch. I don't know if it was minutes, you know, on his legs wearing down or, or, or if, you know, maybe the role was was asking a little too much, but all in all, a great season for Quan Jackson, just not necessarily the way you want to finish. One of six from three for Quan Jackson, six of 18 from the field, but only one of nine in the first half. Tukey Brown, 0 of five in the first half. Monte Glenn, one of five. So Tukey Brown, Monte Glenn, Quan Jackson combined to go, let's see, 10, 19, two for 19 in the first half. That won't cut it. Oh my I mean, God, kill me. And, and the, the strangeness of that, like that, I don't know this, but I, I would doubt that that had ever happened ever in the four-year career of Monte Glenn and Tukey Brown. And I guess you can put a little bit of, of it on Tukey's ankle, um, but the fact of the matter is Monte Glenn had plenty of chances down low, uh, and, and they really just didn't convert. Georgia Southern was only 11 of 22 on layups in the game, and – they had been so good at points in the paint and, and they had needed to be good at points in the paint because, you know, they weren't a good three point shooting team. And that was evidenced again on Saturday. Adam Van Bremer here, editorial page editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com and the host of two regular podcasts, The Commute and Difference Makers. Get your daily local news and opinion fix on The Commute. Available each weekday afternoon, The Commute offers insights into the day's hottest topics with commentary from those who know the subjects best. Our other regular production is the bi-weekly Difference Makers podcast, which is dedicated to sharing stories and insights from Savannah's key players, the men and women who lead our city in commerce, in arts and culture, in philanthropy, in government, and in education. Episodes post every other Friday and like The Commute are on demand through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at savannahnow.com. Make listening to The Commute and Difference Makers a part of your regular routine today. Hey, let's jump to after the game, Greg, uh, and, then, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up. After the game, you know, it sucks because you're not going to the NCAA tournament. You're not going to get a shot at Georgia State and all that. I was, I was very surprised that no one on Georgia Southern's staff and no one on the roster or anybody thought to say, hey, when, when we go out there, let's phrase this as probably our last game or as we'll see what happens. Even though we all knew they weren't going to the NIT, they, they weren't going to settle for, for the CIB, but I don't think a college basketball invitational was beneath Georgia Southern. And 
frankly, from the calls I've made to, to those tournaments, that ball was in Georgia Southern's court. And for me, I don't know that I would make a habit of doing this as they seem to have started to do and make a habit of basically, you know, walking away from invitations to play in postseason tournaments because, you know, it's not what you had hoped for. And, and maybe you got to pay a little money to play in it. For me, the career of Tukey Brown alone was enough to at least warrant 24 hours or 10 hours, five hours. Hell, shit. I mean, an hour of, of reflection instead of just acceptance. I mean, a lot of the fan base was wondering if they'd get to see Georgia Southern play again. And you know how they found out that they wouldn't? By listening to Tukey Brown and Monte Glenn and Mark Byington after the game. I mean, to say things like, let me let you listen, let me let you have a listen to what Tukey Brown said after the game. And I, I love this quote because it sums up Tukey Brown and what he was about. But it also gives away a definite finality to Saturday night. Listen to what Tukey Brown said after the game. Hey, guys, uh, Greg Talbot, WSAV. Hey, Tukey, um, I know this isn't something you're going to think about tonight, but the fact of the matter is you're sitting up there right now and a lot of people in this fan base think you are the best basketball player in Georgia Southern history. That's not for you to say. You're humble. I know that. But walking away from your career here, do you feel like you did something pretty significant for this school? Yes, sir. I mean, all I try to do is just win games and try to, try to get the um, – a championship for Georgia Southern, people at Georgia Southern. That's all I was trying to do. Tell me what the uh, the Eagle Nation that has been at your back for a couple of years here now, uh, tell me what their support has meant to you because they're pretty diehard for you. Uh, it's been crazy, especially my four years here, especially my freshman year when we was here. and weren't that many fans here at all because we wanted to win a bunch of games. But on, on down the line, it, we started to get a bunch of fans, a lot of support. It's just people showing a bunch of love because um, we're doing pretty good on the basketball court. All right, so there's Tukey Brown saying that you know all he wanted to do at Georgia Southern was win championships, and that's all he ever tried to do. And 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 you know he hopes that he can. He had said earlier in the press conference about helping the younger guys and hoping that they come back next year and and all that stuff. Greg, for me, that wasn't the right. Uh, yet another mistake. That wasn't the right way to handle that. Um, and and it left me scratching my head, and it and it. You know, I don't know. It, it didn't feel right. Much like the game, it didn't feel the way that the rest of the season had played out. Um, wh- what did you think, Greg, about basically just the refusal to go anywhere besides the NCAA and NIT? I think that their immediate reaction spoke volumes about how what I had kind of been saying on and off the record for a couple of weeks now was actually true which is that you had the best player in school history and you had a really good team around him these last three years there was no regular season championship there was no conference tournament championship i think there is a real sense of kind of you know gd that uh around this loss because Quickly, let me jump in real quick. I, 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 I hear that. When I, brought, when, I, when I brought that up on and off the record the last couple of weeks, Byington was like, yeah, of course it would be disappointing. But it was always followed by, you know, a, a positive outlook for the upcoming game. Um, I, I, I feel like really like that now that it actually happened, that Tukey was here for four years, the guys like Ike Smith and Jake Allsmiller and Quan Jackson, like the fact that one of these last two or three years – a regular season or conference tournament championship didn't happen. I think that went from like hypothetical potential sadness to like anger in the span of 10 minutes. I mean, yeah, and that's understandable, but I guess, I don't know. I don't think it was too much to ask to, to fake it. I mean, after with, when there's three weeks left in the regular season and Byington saying that they're not worried about what seed they get and, and they're worried about, you know, taking care of their own business. That wasn't true. I mean, obviously you're worried about what seed you had and you're paying attention to that. And we all just accept that as, okay, you know, that's kind of what he has to say, understandably. Why not do that then? I mean, why not wait till the following morning to say that you had either decided not 
to go play in a tournament or that that indeed was the last game. I mean, I don't know. I don't, for fans that had followed the team all season long, Greg, I, I felt like they maybe deserved a little more than, than that at the podium. And I may be off base. I feel question, free to fully disagree. I have an interesting, I have an interesting question for you. Do you and again, I, I might be too close and also be in a media sense looking at this from the wrong angle. Do you think fans care about whether or not they're playing in the CBI? Um, no, I don't think they care about whether they're playing in the CBI, but I do think that this specific set of circumstances, this team and the way it ended warranted some, some forethought and maybe a plan for if we lose this game, what's next. And if you're a fan, Greg, and, and me and you and the rest of the media and and people close to the, to the program and the athletics program have more access, obviously, to find out those questions, to find out the answers to those questions basically right when we want to. You know, all I have to do is make a call or text somebody or, or do this or do that. If there were fans on their couch wondering what was next for Georgia Southern, how would they have found out? I mean, what would they, what would, what would have been, what, you know, before the, the press conference after the game, if you're wondering what was next, you definitely weren't wondering anymore after hearing them talk. And I guess, I don't know, I would just say in the opening statement after the, the you know, this was the final game, we, you know, we talked before and we had decided before that we weren't going to go anywhere. And that would have been the end of it. But for me, and I'll just say it, Greg, and feel free to disagree. Georgia Southern is not a, in, bas- in men's basketball, you're not above anything any tournament any team anytime you're not above it if you don't want to play it i completely understand of course you're upset and and for this team the cbi was beneath them for sure but as a program to start setting that precedent i don't know you know i don't know that that there's enough of a branding of georgia southern basketball to to say that two, three, four more games just wasn't worth it to us? I don't know. And, and I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with me. I'm sure a lot of people couldn't care less. But the fact remains that they Georgia Southern wasn't prepared to play that game on Saturday, and it showed. And I don't think they were prepared for what was next after they lost, and that certainly showed. That was disheartening to me because for us, Greg, I mean, that's the lasting memory we'll have. I mean, that's – Likely the last time you'll get Monte Glenn and Tukey Brown at a podium together, uh, uh, you know, with any sort of meaning behind it. Um, it you know, it's your last chance to kind of spend somehow uh, the season. And it was the opposite. It, it was, you know, clearly written on their sleeves. And I think that, you know, when that press conference ended, no one was left with any kind of answers as to why it happened, why the loss to UTA happened, and why they decided or, you know, denied invitations to other tournaments. I, I'll, you know, I don't want to talk forever about that because, again, I'm kind of just talking myself in circles, I guess. But for me, it was just disappointing all the way around. And I did not expect it. I definitely did not expect it. And, um, for Georgia Southern men's basketball sake, I, I hope that early next season that they can wipe this taste or, you know, wash this taste out of their mouth and, and kind of wipe this from their memories. But, you know, I, I think that'll be a long time before that happens. I was going to say, let's actually talk about that. Where I would say all this year, Georgia Southern was the second best team in the Sunbelt Conference. At their very peak, they were the best. Most of the time, they were just the second best behind Georgia State. Where do you think they fall to next year on average? I think they're going to end up being like falling to like four or five. You mean in the Sun Belt? Yeah. Okay, so I think you can look at it two ways. You can look at it, where will they be ranked preseason? And that kind of tells you what raw talent every team has. You know what I mean? If you just look at it in – Let's start there. Where, where, where do we think they're going to be picked preseason? I, I, my, my gut says four, five, six. I, I, yeah, I would probably, 
I don't think they're going to go five or six preseason. I don't think they'll go that low. I, you know, they finished in the top four, I believe, in four of the fat five seasons in the Sun Belt. I could see that. But again, I think all next year, Greg, what are we going to have to talk about during the Sun Belt conference play? What are we going to be talking about? None of this really is going to matter too much until we get back to New Orleans, which I'm assuming they'll play it in New Orleans for some unknown reason again next year. Uh, none of it will really matter. What if Georgia Southern plays a hell of a regular season next year and they get the two seed? Or what if they get the one seed? Are we I mean, confident that that, 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 that double buy? I mean, that, that'd be amazing. I, I would, well, I but are we confident that that double buy is going to do anything after – after the last few years in, in the tournament, I mean, they finished that high over and over and over again. And, you know, they never got really close to finishing the goal in New Orleans. I, for me, Georgia Southern will have, again, plenty of talent next year. It won't be anywhere near this year. Um, I mean, you'll agree with this, Greg. I think the biggest question mark and I think the biggest determinant in what Georgia Southern will and won't be next year is Ike Smith. It's got to be, right? Yeah, I would say so, and and I I'm really interested to see, not interest. I mean, in, interested to undersell that if this team wants to compete in the Sun Belt, both Isaiah Crawley and Simeon Carter need to become the twin freaking towers down there on the post, and Calvin Wishart needs to become the 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 default go to point guard. Although I'm not sure it's going to be him instead of David Lee Jones. I think the best iteration of this team next year, most likely to compete, is a starring role for Quan Jackson, a fast dribbling and good shooting point guard in Calvin Wishart, and then Crawley and Simeon Carter, who are fierce and physical and can shoot on the posts. I think that is the best version of this team next year. Yeah, and I can see, and, and Byington does this better than anyone, adjusting in different increments. I mean, he adjusts by possession, by game, by half, by season, you know, this guy is always changing. I think he's the best adjuster in the conference. No question. I I think so too. And I mean, and again, to clarify about that, I don't mean that I think there's a difference between adjusting and, and and X's and O's game planning. There's some stuff to be desired as far as what the game plans appeared to be. In, in a few games this year for Georgia Southern, I mean, Georgia State, both of those games still puzzling. Um, I, I don't know that the game plan on Saturday was anything, you know, that caused them problems. I, I don't even know that there was a discernible game plan besides what Byington said before the game, which was, you know, if we don't lose the turnover battle and if we rebound and if we defend, we're going to win the game. Well, the turnover battle was a wash, essentially. The rebound battle was a wash, and they defended pretty well, and they lost. And so, you know, the game plan wasn't that bad, but buying 10 next year, I could definitely see him adjusting and going for round one. I, you know, Quan obviously will be the, the focal point. David Lee Jones, Elijah McCadden, and Wishart around the top for the guards. Do want to remind Georgia Southern fans that they have a very, very exciting player in Travion Lamar. Uh, the Savannah native and former Jenkins high school player um, coming to Georgia Southern next year to play as a Juco transfer. He just to get a sense of him, he'll offer um, a a body type similar to Monte Glenn, smaller uh, and capable of of extending and hitting three pointers and mid range shots. So, you know, he'll be kind of a stretch for in in the sense of Isaiah Crawley, probably think that way, I guess. But yeah, Quan Jackson for me has to be the focal point. And I think that what Georgia Southern did coming into this year by speeding up the pace and really focusing on the analytics of possessions and points per possession and stuff like that, that's going to increase next year. And, and that's only going to continue. Um, I, I'm interested to see for sure if the staff remains intact, Greg, from the way things look in the Sun Belt, there could be some turnover in other places. Um, you know, there could be turnover in other places in Georgia. If you just look around the state of Georgia and their coaches, I'd be interested to see if all the assistants stay on board or if they take assistant jobs elsewhere. That's something to keep an eye on. Um, 
But that's yeah, always something to keep an eye on when there was something to keep an eye on when you're talking about the end of an era. And that was the, that was the, my big takeaway driving home yesterday from New Orleans in our WSAV car. I was like, this is the end of an era of this program. And they don't have to rebuild because actually the vast majority of pieces from a successful year this year are back. It still feels like we're turning the page. Yeah, not not too dissimilar from football, I guess, that it was – I mean, well, it is different because football – I mean, could you think of a more different feeling than the way we felt, Greg, and I can't imagine Georgia Southern fans felt after leaving uh, the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl as opposed to, you know, turning off ESPN Plus Saturday night or leaving – Lakefront Arena Saturday night in New Orleans, those two feelings couldn't have been any more different because what you had was a football season that frankly, you know, no one was really expecting too much. If you were, if you were a realist, you weren't expecting much and they did the exact opposite. They did everything. They accomplished everything they wanted to accomplish. Um, The basketball team, the whole year, the only thing we heard about was that, they were desperate for a championship of some kind and they were desperate to leave a mark. And, you know, unfortunately that's kind of always going to be at least the second line for this group. I mean, I think the first line has to be a partial revival of Georgia Southern basketball, Tukey Brown and Monte Glenn and, and a few of the guys that, that graduated last year. I think that's not an overstatement that they helped revive the program, but probably right beneath that would be, but, you know, almost, I guess, almost like the 90s Atlanta Braves. Excellent in everything they did, but, you know, but it could have been so much more. And that's, that's always just going to be tough to swallow. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, and, and I would say people are going mean, to, we will see Tukey's jersey hung in the rafters of Hannerfield House down the, down the road. I think no question about it. But well, I, hope, I hope so, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I'll tell you that, I mean, I will always look back on this as, God, what a great player Tukey was and what a fun era this was, but I think you're absolutely right. And, and I guess Tukey might have laid the bl- blueprint for, you know, any guys that are capable of playing Power 5 basketball. That You know, not just Georgia Southern, but places like Georgia Southern, especially in basketball, that sport more than any other, you can leave – you can make a name for yourself forever. I mean, Tukey Brown will never be forgotten at Georgia Southern. And for all the four stars and five stars that go to Kansas and Duke and, and, and North Carolina and those power, and I guess that team out West, Gonzaga, you, you can get lost easily in the legacies of those programs because there's so many great names. No one will ever forget Tukey Brown. And so that's kind of a, you know, Tukey was an example of that better than anyone else that, he could have gone somewhere else, but if you do go to a place like that, there's an opportunity to do something extremely, extremely special. And who knows, maybe Byington lands another one, probably nowhere near as good as Tukey Brown, but maybe, maybe that's a, a recipe to follow in the future. I actually can't help but wonder if there are any stud basketball players who – you know, are coming up in this area who, who have opportunities to go ride the bench or be on, be a smaller guy at a big D1 powerhouse power conference and see what happened at Tukey Brown. I actually can't help but wonder if there's going to be someone like that in the not too distant future who's going to do this. I, I, I think there's actually a good chance. Well, yeah, and I mean, there's plenty going on at the uh, technical school in Atlanta right now with their college basketball program. I wonder if any of, any of the South Georgians on that uh, – roster for Georgia Tech think about coming to Statesboro but you know not just Georgia Tech there's plenty of places that that guys like that could leave from or or come from and obviously Savannah in the Savannah area is a hotbed for college basketball players uh first name that comes to mind would be Malik Ben-Levy who somehow escaped Savannah without being offered by Georgia Southern ever four years incredible Uh, I I wasn't around for that I wasn't to Savannah yet I think I had just arrived his senior year, like a month before they won the state championship. But like, I'm amazed that he wasn't offered when I went back and looked at that. Well, I've talked to Malik about it before. He was never going to go to Statesboro and not because he had, you know, in high school, he didn't have any ill will towards Georgia Southern. That didn't start until he played for Georgia State. But 
he never wanted to be that close to home and he wanted to stay kind of close to home. So I, I, I with those that two parameters, that, that, that kind of limits. And I will never begrudge a kid that. Well, I think we all feel that way at some point or another. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I think, man, at least toss that guy an offer so you can save yourself this conversation four years later, you know? All right, guys. All right. Listening. Well, uh, yeah, this, this is fun, man. Yeah, I'm glad you could come back on, Greg. Uh, for you guys listening, we are not done with the podcast. It will be less frequent now. We're going to keep you guys up to date with football. I'll probably get another episode uh, detailing the spring game and the new coaches' contracts for the football staff uh, within the coming weeks. Again, we do want to hear from you um, what you like, what you don't like, uh, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear, and what you thought about how the Georgia Southern basketball season ended. So email me at tjadon at savannahnow.com and follow on Twitter at Jadon Sports. Check out all of our Georgia Southern coverage and anything you need for March Madness at savannahnow.com. Um, and then, as always, follow, like, rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the Georgia Southern Extra podcast. Greg, you want to tell the folks how to follow you? Just at Greg Talbot on Twitter, as always. And uh, and I would think twice about Michigan, Travis. And uh, and, and, and you and I will talk off the, off the phone here. We'll, uh, we'll get you on TV to talk about spring football later this week, bud. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And, guys, when Gonzaga does lose like they do annually in the tournament, you know it's at Greg Talbot on Twitter. I will be doing what I always – I'll be doing my tradition unlike any other. I had a, a very public Twitter meltdown my senior year of college when Gonzaga blew it in the second round as a one seed to Wichita State. If you're on my Twitter account, you will see me posting at least once a game a screenshot of one of my friends from six years ago saying – I'm really enjoying seeing Greg Talbot lose his mind publicly on Twitter during this Gonzaga game. I'll tweet it out a couple times a game, and, uh, and that's how you'll know it's my account. There you go, folks. There's the tease. Until next time, thank you guys for listening to Georgia Southern Extra. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern.